0: Our Old Testament reading this morning is from the 17th chapter of Ezekiel. Thus says the Lord God, I myself will take a sprig from the lofty top of the cedar and will set it out. I will break off from the topmost of its young twigs a tender one, and I myself will plant it on a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain height of Israel will I plant it, that it may bear branches and produce fruit and become a noble cedar. And under it will dwell every kind of bird. In the shade of its branches, birds of every sort will nest. And all the trees of the field shall know that I am the Lord. I bring low the high tree and make high the low tree. Dry up the green tree and make the dry tree flourish. I am the Lord. I've spoken and I will do it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The psalm today is from Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not winter. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Our second reading is from Second Corinthians. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us, because we've concluded this, that one has died for all, and therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. This is the word of the Lord.
1: The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the fourth chapter. Jesus said, The kingdom of God You guys just turn. There you go. The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. The seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself. First the blade, then the ear, then the full blade or full ear, blade in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts it in the sickle because the harvest has come. And he said, With what shall we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches, so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables he spoke the word to them, as they were able to hear it, He did not speak to them without parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. This is the gospel of our Lord. Kingdom of God. Here we go. Kingdom of God. As we look at this first parables that we have in the gospel of Mark. We're going to notice that theme, a theme about the kingdom of God. Now, as Christians, we're fairly familiar with that phrase. Um, It's something that we hear maybe frequently. Um, But if you had someone who was kind of interested in the Bible, maybe they're just being exposed to the Bible. They're being exposed to Christianity. Maybe God's calling on them to to inquire and start to to go there to learn more about him. and, And they actually start reading the Bible and they come across this phrase, the kingdom of God. And they really don't know exactly what that means, but but they know that you're a Christian. And they know that you've been a Christian for some time. And so they approach you and they ask, all right, so what is the kingdom of God? If they were to ask ask you that question, how would you answer? How would you answer the question, what is the kingdom of God? I'm going to pause for a second. On this morning we passed out full sheets of paper, and on there it's kind of the outline of what we're going to do with the, the Bible time the sermon time. If you want to follow along that way, you can. All right, so thinking about what that, the answer would be to that, I think many Christians um, would be fairly hard-pressed at a moment like that to answer that question. What is the kingdom of God? How would we answer? I mean, there's, there's so much potentially to say. Where would you start? Um, What would be your starting point? What would be the foundational piece? What would be the most important pieces? And then how would you progress through there in in a systematic and intelligent way to answer what is the kingdom of God? Um, So we're not going to have an exhaustive conversation about this today because it goes on and on. This is a big conversation but when we're looking at the Bible lesson for today, there's some components that I think is important for us. It's just fundamentally to have. There's a good chance that you've all heard this. You all know this. You've all seen it. There's also a good chance that the world is not always presenting this. And if we're ever asked, this might be nice as a refresher to remember what exactly we believe about what is the kingdom of God. So the first thing that we're going to notice this morning is this. The kingdom of God is not a secret. I mean, that might not be shocking, but some might live as though they're kind of keeping it private and it's just between me and Jesus. It's not. It's not me and Jesus. It's me, Jesus, and the world, right? It's never to been a secret In the very beginning of Mark's gospel, it's being proclaimed by by John the Baptist. We can read in verse 3, referring to John the Baptist. He is the voice of one crying in the wilderness, and he's crying out to anybody who will listen, prepare the way of the Lord. Now that phrase is important for us because um, John was 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 made for that. Right? He was destined for that. When he's coming into the womb, he's already being told that he's going to be the one that prepares for the king. But when he says, prepare the way of the Lord, that is how the king's herald, the, the messenger of the king, that's what they would say. The king's messenger, in their time, the king's servants would walk to the villages and the towns and the cities ahead of the king. And he would shout out over and over again, prepare for the king. Prepare the way of the Lord. And not the Lord so much about God, but it's like, your Lord. Sometimes, even in England to these days, they could say they would call them Lord. It's like, well, that's because he's kind of like a king or a prince or someone who's a leader. So for us, John is shouting, prepare the way of the Lord. The people are already imagining in their minds that he's shouting, prepare the way of the king, the Lord, this Messiah who's to come. And it's this, these dreams and these possibilities of them having a Messiah and a king to set things right starts to stir in their mind. But when we have this, we have a very loud and a very active messenger. John the Baptist. Prepare the way of the Lord. The kingdom, then, is not a secret. John didn't know about it. Stand by the river and say, oh, someday you're going to find out and whisper it. No, he's telling everybody, get ready, the Messiah is coming. The king is coming. The second part for us when we think about the king, so it's not secret, it's not private, it's for the whole world. Second thing is, it's, it's linked. The kingdom is near and it's good. Both things. When we get to Jesus, after John is arrested by Herod, Jesus is coming out of the time of wilderness, those 40 days of fasting and praying and being tempted, and he comes out victorious, and he's filled with the spirit. And immediately when Jesus starts approaching people and talking to people, the first thing he's saying is the kingdom. In verse 14, he says, the time is fulfilled, like in all of human history, the time is now fulfilled. The kingdom of God, this, this thing, it's at hand, it's, it's near repent and believe the gospel gospel means good news so jesus just tells us two important other features about this kingdom of god one it is it is as close as your hand it's not so far away that you can't see it and it's not so far away that you have to walk to get it no it's just right here in addition to that he says it's good news it's good it's not the wrath of God coming to turn, burn you. No, it's, it's the love of God coming in Jesus to save you. And it's close. We don't know exactly what that is at this point in the gospel and how it all turns out. We're in the early chapters. But we do know that if, one, if, if we are near Jesus, then we're near the kingdom of God. And we know that if we're near Jesus, that that kingdom of God is going to be good news. So that adds to our understanding the kingdom. Third part, the kingdom of God will be different than our expectations. Just know that from the front. We can learn this from history. We can see this in history. We can see it right now. If we were to have asked a person in the first century world around Jesus, so a Jewish person at that time, what is the kingdom of God going to be like or like, we would have heard some very specific things. Now, there might have been some additional things depending on who you're talking to, but most people would have had these core things think in their mind when thinking about the Messiah, the new king of their land promised by God. First, the kingdom of God will have this. God will be the sole and authoritative king. He rules from heaven. That is where the rule takes place. And he might have a, a, a place on earth where he's linked to and, and and he might call like the temple space for him to be worshipped and, exp- and shown to the world. But to be sure, the kingdom of God starts with the divinity, this God that is in heaven, and he's the sole authority. Starts with that. Then from there, from their history, they would have expected a divinely inspired human being, much like Moses, if you will, or David or Solomon. Someone inspired king that will govern his nation on his behalf. This king should not govern on his own or according to whatever world pressures there are. No, this king will govern as God the Father in heaven dictates, as the king dictates. So the earthly king is just to reflect what the divine king speaks. And then they would also imagine that this would be a theocracy, right? A godocracy, a God-government. And then this God-government would then help manage all of it because it gets wide when you get millions and billions of people. And then on top of that, the people of the first century would imagine this. Some sort of a, of a military that's going to ensure the kingdom security and the kingdom expansion, because there's always enemies to the kingdom, and so there would have been a military to help protect that. That's what they would have said. They would have answered that, because at that time they were captives of Rome, and the Roman army occupied their lands. They were not free people. They were an occupied people. And they were expecting and hoping that this messianic king, the one that now they're hoping that John's going to talk about and what's going to happen, that this king would liberate them from this these oppressors from distant lands. And that this messianic king would lead Israel to be a premier nation again of all nations. And that they were just going to be blessed. You know, the people would just be blessed as, as residents of the Lord's world, Lord, Lord's kingdom. Now, the catch to that is that's what the first century people are, are hoping for and thinking about. What Jesus presents them is going to be radically different. Different expectations. And now, as far as us today, who knows what modern-day Christians would expect? If you are to ask us, what do you think the kingdom of God will be like? Some Christians might start talking about an emphasis of a sin-free world where everyone lives in purity and worships God in harmony, right? That might be their idea of the kingdom of God. And some of us might answer with something about the, the kingdom of God to come that will be a perfect heaven to come. But regardless of first century, everything in the middle, and today from what I've read and what I've experienced, I would bet just about everything that the kingdom of God will be greater than our most enlightened dreams. Whatever we imagine the kingdom of God to be, it's going to be bigger and better and more beautiful and more profoundly loving and full of life than we'd ever dream. So God's kingdom is going to be greater than our expectations. That's another component we know about the kingdom of God. Fourth one is this. If you're, ever, if you're ever in doubt, the, the, the words give us the answer. Kingdom of God gives us the answer. Just think about the words. Now, that, that, that phrase, kingdom of God, is translated from this, he basilia tau kingdom of God. So if you get basilica and stuff like that, you get that from kingdom. But first, basilia, it can, it, it can make reference to an area, Right? It can make reference to a land mass that's governed by the king. But Basilia also refers to, almost simultaneously, to the power and the authority and the rule of the king in that area. So kingdom is communicating a lot of pieces. For us, we'll start with the third word, God. What does that mean for us? Well, God is the king. We will affirm that. I'm not the king. You're not the king. Nothing on earth is a king. No one we vote for. No politically, socially acceptable. That is not king. God is king. He is the designer. He is the creator. God is the ruling authority of heaven and earth. He is the things of the things that we see and we can't see. God is the creator, the designer. He is the power. He is the provider, and he is the judge. Now that said, that's pretty strong and overwhelming in some ways, but we also have this. God is benevolent, and he is wise, and he's intelligent, and he's loving, and he's good beyond all understanding. He's not elected by us or directed by us. If God says this creation is to do something, creation would be smart to do it. If God says, don't do something, it's his kingdom, he made it, he designed it, then we would be wise as creation not to do it. Again, God is the the guiding authority, period. So what is the kingdom of God? We start with God, and God is the king. And then we go to the kingdom word. What is the kingdom? Well, all of creation is God's kingdom. The boundaries of this are the stars that we can't see behind the stars and universes on the other side. I mean, this whole thing, we believe, is what God made. Everything seen and unseen. And the universe and our creation bears witness to his design. The intricacy of everything that we see in science in the expanses of of. of physics and biology it reflects a designer who is who is intelligent beyond comprehension and powerful beyond comprehension that's his kingdom he made it 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 bears witness to his design and he gifted it to us the ones his children for a time and a season Everything we get to see, we get to enjoy for a time and a season. We are residents in the kingdom. We are not owners. We are to be good stewards on behalf of the king. The kingdom of God, again, is not a democracy. No national elections to choose who God is. No councils or committees that can direct God. And no charismatic leaders that will decide God's plans or purpose. The kingdom is his. There is a king in the kingdom, and it's not us. The second, the third word in this, it's a small word, just two letters, but it does communicate something that we believe about the kingdom, the word of. We believe that this creation, this planet, this church, our bodies are of God. That, that we are intended to be of God to be beautiful and peaceful and kind full of life full of love loving God loving people as we love ourselves is what Jesus says that is of God we are of God we are told though yes we have been corrupted by sin we have that for a time and, and it, but we will be separated from that in the future but still, we are of his image, and we are of his likeness. When God made us, he breathed into us, and he made us in his image and likeness. We are of God. We are not small. We are not insignificant. We're not ugly. We're not too great. We're not too, we are exactly what he purposed us to be, of God. So kingdom of God, those three words give us the answer to that question but there's more kingdom of God we told today it involves us and his power so in Mark chapter 4 we read this the kingdom of God is as a is as if a man would scatter seed on the ground he goes to sleep he rises he does this night and day and then the seed sprouts the seed grows and he knows not how there's still things in our scientific world that when we look at how things multiply and how things um, develop their myst- mysteries to us. Oh, we're very smart, and we're smarter in science than they ever were then, but we don't know it all. We're still finding out that there's little motors within little virus strains within neurological systems and impulses that are moving electrons and things around. There's motors. Who put those motors in those systems that small? God did. We don't understand it all. We're learning more. But to this point... And this parable emphasizes two components. One, that we are involved in God's kingdom. That's important. We're just not spectators. But the second part is that God retains the power, the ability, the plan, and the responsibility of his creation, not us. That can be a huge sign of relief. Sometimes we're like, oh, I'm accountable and I'm responsible for someone else's decisions, whether they're good or they're bad. It's like, no, we're really not. That's between them and their Lord. We might assist them, we might counsel them, we might pray for them, but that's on them. So we read these words. For us, it's, it's curious because it doesn't work for us, but for, in Jesus' time, he spoke to the people who thought and believed that they, that they knew how the kingdom of God was going to be started. The people knew how it was going to be started. The people believed that they knew how it was going to be established, and they thought they knew how God was going to grow his kingdom again. They had it in their mind what that was going to be like. And Jesus is saying, no, you don't. You're thinking Messiah, military, freedom, glory, blessing, expansion, and I'm thinking so much more. So Jesus tells them in no uncertain terms that the kingdom of God is going to come in ways that you don't know. Just like how this person who sows a seed and all of a sudden starts growing, he doesn't know. Much like that, God is going to work. And you don't have to know it. It could be important for us as well. Because the people of God are simply and clearly asked to do one thing. Scatter the seed translated that means the people of god are simply to share the good news of jesus in our words and our deeds just share the good news and trust that god does the rest we share the good news we sleep we rise we repeat what's that rinse wash repeat something like that we we trust god to do god's part god will create god will harvest so what's the kingdom of god of kingdom where we have been blessed with a role and a purpose, but God has all the rest of the work, the power and the responsibility. Kingdom of God, last point for us today. This one's kind of fun. The kingdom of God put on there uncontainable. Think about this. This one is, a, I'll ask you a question. What if this five to ten foot tall mustard shrub was not considered a a celebrated plant what if this mustard plant was considered a weed if it were a weed then Jesus is comparing the kingdom of God to millions and billions of tiny little seeds that grow into large mustard plant weeds I mean this is unlike the 100 foot tall cedars of Lebanon nothing or grand or glorious about a five to ten foot tall mustard weed plant. Now, it's a common, I've been, I looked this up, it's a common and ordinary bush. It grows everywhere around Palestine, even now, and it grows like a weed. So, God's kingdom is like small seeds of weeds that can grow everywhere and large no matter what the world does to them. Now think about this. Cover the earth with asphalt. Cover the earth with sidewalks and cement. Seeds of weeds find their way into those tiny little cracks and they grow in the middle of highways on the sidewalks outside of buildings, in the cracks and corners along the roads, they just find a way and they grow. Poison the weeds, burn the weeds, spend hours every day pulling the weeds out by hand and you know what happens? They just keep appearing. You might think that the weeds are all gone, that you finally got it all accomplished, and then one day you'll look out and they're back. That is the kingdom of God. At the time of the telling of these parables, the kingdom of God established in this body of Christ, these few followers in Jesus, it's small. Some would say, as they're looking at Jesus and his followers, that they're insignificant. Others who are threatened by his truth and his honesty and the way of God versus the way of man, they might have even considered this way and teaching and presence of Jesus to be like a weed in their world. It is an unwanted plant. And Jesus tells us the kingdom of God is just like that. He dares them to underestimate him and the kingdom that he's planting the kingdom of God he's suggesting yeah it's going to start small but it will not be contained and just when you think you've got it all squished out it's going to pop up it will grow and it will provide shelter and life and security for all kinds of people from all kinds of lands the kingdom of God where the people don't this is kind of curious in this kingdom, people will know, not know how, when, or where exactly, but somehow, in some way, in some place, through a song, through a word, through a kind act, through an example, through a sermon, whatever it might be, as insignificant as it is, that seed of God, the Holy Spirit, is going to touch into someone's mind, into someone's heart that you never saw coming, and they're going to start to believe the good news. That God loves them and he's close to them. That he's forgiven them and he will continue to forgive them. That he's preparing a place for them and the good news will start to grow and grow out of the places you never expected it to happen. The people in the world that you think are forever hardened and turned from God, sometimes some of those people will get a crack in their heart and God will plant the seed and all of a sudden they'll turn. You would never have expected it. And some other people think would be the greatest soil in the world. They'll just grow anything for Jesus. Sometimes they don't grow anything. It's not for us to decide the outcomes. Just before today's parable, we had the parable of the four soils, and some did well and some didn't, right? So he's he's bridging on that. So for us, it's not for us to decide. Our job is just to share the good news, use words if necessary, but words as well, kind deeds and words, and trust God to do the rest. And in this, the seed will come to life in surprising places, and it will be uncontrollable. And that's it for today. When we're thinking about the Kingdom of God, those are the points. Pretty simple. It's not a secret. It's a public event. It's near, and it's good. It's going to be different than the world's expect- expectations and your expectations. Just kind of get over that. You don't control it. It's explained in the words, Kingdom of God. It says a lot. It involves us, but we rely upon God, and it is uncontainable. We started a journey now in Pentecost. We get to continue to unpack what this Kingdom of God is going to look like, but as we move along, Simple thing for us to do. One thing, hold on to what we know to be true. Don't let the world talk us out of it because the world has always changed. It's always changing. The world's very good. The devil's been very good over thousands of years of trying to adjust what Christians have believed to be true. Don't, just, just let them talk, but don't listen. Remember what's true and hold on to it. And the second thing is, so you have an opportunity, share what you know to be true even if it's not comfortable in doing so, you still, God asks us to share the good news, share the truth. Help us to be that church, Lord. Amen. Our profession of faith, using the words of the Apostles' Creed. First, do you believe in God the Father? I believe in God the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. And do you believe in God, the Holy Spirit? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. And let us pray. Dearest Father, we offer our prayers and praise to you this day for the life that you have given us, for the privilege of managing it as your stewards and being able to invest it in ways that please you. Bring benefit to those around us. Bring fulfillment to us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, we continue our prayer that the world would know peace. We ask that you would touch the leaders of nations, leaders of corporations, and those who counsel them with your Holy Spirit, that they may seek your wisdom and counsel. We ask that you would touch the people of the nations with your Holy Spirit, that they may participate in your kingdom ways. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that you hear the cry of your children. We pray today for those who suffer addiction or abuse, that they would receive wisdom to rebuild their lives. We pray today for those who have anger in their hearts, and for those who mistrust as a result of evil, that they may receive your healing and have their lives restored. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, help all who make up your church on earth to seek and serve those who are in need. Help your children to judge less and to console more. Bless us that we might have eyes to see need, ears to hear requests for help, and hearts to love. Help us to be free in you and share the joy you give. Lord, in your mercy. Lord Jesus Christ, you are the bread of life, given for the life of the world. We thank you for abiding with us and in us. We thank you for remaining in us and dwelling in us so that our lives can be transformed. If it gives you glory, bless those celebrating birthdays and and wedding anniversaries with true life and the gifts of heaven. And Lord, if it gives you glory, bring comfort and healing to the residents and care facilities. Lord, strengthen the faith and restore the hope of those who mourn the loss of their loved ones. Lord, bring wisdom, courage, and strength to those who serve as first responders and those in armed forces. Work through Christians, Lord, to touch the lives of all who are in need of healing. Touch the lives of those who are in need of courage and peace, especially those we name in our hearts now. Lord, in your mercy. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray. We will trust in your mercy. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us.